0: Welcome to the Tim Voxelbomb Show! This is episode 52 of the program. If you have been following along, that means I've been doing this 52 times. Well, I guess you didn't have to be following along to know that, because that's what numbers mean. So anyway, I'm wearing new glasses, and I'm very far from the monitor. I'm in a different room of the house. Hey, we're switching it up housekeeping now let's get into the podcast so we're going to talk about the medical system so i am currently trying to treat another thing wrong with me what is it this time what's what's wrong with you this week well i'll answer that it's uh it's a sleeping issue called insomnia i have not been able to sleep on command i could do a lot of shit on command But that's not one of them. Not going to bed. So this podcast is about a lot of things. This episode will be about a few different things. I don't know if it's going to be similar to the last episode where I just kind of only talked about one topic, which is stand-up and how to become a professional stand-up, and a little bit about podcasting and just doing your best creatively. We're going to kind of do a few little updates on that. But anyway, back to what I was talking about insomnia i've been suffering from insomnia since i was about 12 years old and i think it's about the same time that the adhd symptoms. i don't i don't know this is brand new diagnostic information that i'm just throwing out there uh, i i just think that my adhd is what's keeping me awake how do i know this well because i took some adderall and it put me to sleep. How weird is that? So if you have ADHD, or let's just call it a HID. If, a, if you have a HID, it, it hid then you're going to actually benefit from stimulants in a way that other people cannot. Other people don't need to be on the most powerful stimulants on planet Earth. Only we do, ADHDers, have to be on that shit. And it actually has the opposite effect that you would think it would have. It actually kind of relaxes us. It, it shuts down our brains and allows us to go to sleep. So as soon as I took it, you know, about 20 minutes later, I was able to get to sleep and get to an appointment to diagnose my freaking insomnia. So we're going through a circle here trying to, like, chase a rabbit and so I got the, I went to this this place all the way up in Taylor, Texas, some old Wild West railroad town, and it's going to be a, quite a hassle to find out if I have sleep apnea. They're going to have to make me take home this th- i got to drive all the way back up there and then pick up this Gadget's gizmo and then drive all the way home, obviously, because that's where I live. I live at home. And then I'm going to have to sleep with this machine on my finger or something like that and it's just going to be like reading like a palm readers like i sense that you're not sleeping very well tonight and then i'm going to have to drive all the way back up the next morning they need the the thing back by 10 a.m because it's the only one they have in the whole hospital it's like really so i have to if they said it if you don't sleep, then you're, you you got to do it again another day months later whenever we have the appointment available because we need that thing back. So too bad that you have insomnia because that's kind of important that you don't have it at the, the time that we're actually trying to solve Like, I mean, kind of a catch-22 here. I'm using the thing to diagnose the problem, and the problem is stopping me from using the diagnostics. So what I did is... Uh, instead of what i'm probably going to do the original plan i'm going to scrap it you know i'll leave it i'm going to leave the appointments but i just googled it i just googled sleep apnea and the first thing that comes up is like a hundred ads for companies that just diagnose you using their own fancy gizmo and it's not nearly as expensive as the process of going through the medical system so why is this the opening topic of the podcast well because this podcast is starting to grow it's starting to develop a theme and one of those themes is talking about futurism and technology i have talked about technology a little bit on this on this podcast before but You don't have to listen to all the episodes to understand what this podcast is about. It's not all over. It's not like just, okay, you got to listen to this. Now, I talk about the same topics on every episode in some way. I touch it. I dig it up, you know, and reshuffle it and refine my perspective. This is not the type of podcast where I just pretend that everything I'm saying is perfect. Now, if I say something stupid... I'm going to have to, I'm going to go back on the next, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back and be like, okay, we made a mistake so far that hasn't happened. I haven't made a single mistake except for the last episode, which one we're going to talk about. So the, the point of this whole technology thing is, well, you know what? That's pretty much what every podcast is going to be about because technology is kind of taking over our lives. It's, it's, completely changing the medical system all these ways that you had to get diagnosed no longer are necessary you don't need insurance you just need a couple hundred bucks which a lot of people most people can 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 get that you know that's pretty affordable to get diagnosed for sleep apnea that's way better than going through insurance so you know that's technology allowing us to do something that before we had to hire somebody that went to medical school i mean you know let's just ball this topic why is this let's just get to the bottom line because i'm not that interested in this topic right now so so let's just get over get it over the point is we're circling towards a singularity we're getting closer and closer to the point of no return in terms of automation artificial intelligence and just robots and just doing shit that other that people can, don't have to do anymore, because the robots can do it a lot better. The AI can diagnose way more accurately than a human, and for cheaper and faster and just more efficient in every way. So that's why it's kind of getting tough for people to make money as a human. You know, if there's if there's robots, they could just do it for you. That's why the anti-work movement is becoming worse and worse and more people are joining in on it. I am not a supporter of the movement. I'm just kind of like watching from the sidelines because I'm like a self-employed entrepreneur. So I am so far a little bit resilient to the idea that it's not affecting my life. It's affecting people I know. But I don't care because they haven't worked. They're not me. They should have they worked harder. Hey, it's hard to have empathy if you don't have the same problem as something. Like, I have sympathy for these people that just aren't making as much money that as they their parents maybe did for the same type of work. I mean, I have sympathy because that sucks. It's not fun to have to work 40 hours in a warehouse, you know, breaking down your muscle fibers and hurting your, you know destroying your body and only making enough to barely make rent. So yeah, you know, I feel bad. But it's not humans' fault that technology is progressing to the point where we don't need humans. Like, if you're not providing value to the economy, you're not going to get value back. That's just simple economics. It's simple, like, laws of physics, nature, capitalism, even in any form of government or economy i mean if you're not putting value in there's only so much value you can expect outward even in a socialist society even if we all just grouped up linked up and said okay just share the wealth if you're not working if you're not providing any value like intellectual property you can really only expect so many resources, right? I mean, maybe not. Maybe we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll figure out a way to just create resources out of thin air. I think that isn't impossible. Like, OK, we don't need you to work. We, if we have everything taken care of in an abundance of resources, can't we just divvy them? Can't we just give them to the poor people? Well, even then, there's still a limit, because how many poor people can we support? There's a limit. You can't just say, okay, yeah, have a thousand, yeah, you could have an infinite amount of kids and none of them have to work. That's fine. Yeah, they could just keep making billions and billions of people and not have to work. After a certain point, even with like, in you know, super AI and everything is paid for, I don't know, there's, there's just, still, even if we had nuclear fusion... I don't think it's infinite. So that's all that's just why I don't I can't like be like that involved in the fight for better workplace environment and higher salaries and benefits. I just can't get on board with that side of the issue because it's it it's a lost cause. <laughs> like I hate to say it, but you're not going to win by picketing. All you're going to do is sque- you're squeezing blood from stone. These employers are paying I'm not to, not to sound like an asshole, but they're paying you what you're worth. That's why they're treating you that way because they could just get somebody else. You are a, there's an abundance of unemployed people, not an abundance of resources to give to them for doing work that robots can eventually do in artificial intelligence. Fuck, never. hey, I'll punch up. I don't, even have to, I don't even have to even talk about the people on the bottom working in the Amazon warehouses i was talking about doctors that's how this conversation got started i was talking about freaking doctors even they are becoming a lot less needed because you could just use a piece of software and really cheap equipment like an iphone and get pretty much just as good results as something that costs fifty thousand dollars or more like an mri those you still kind of those you still need oh my goodness gracious but that's just how it's gonna go for every profession. Eventually, they're gonna be slow, and eventually, there'll be only people like me left—podcasters—and then even us, even creatives, will be phased out. I hate this. Fuck it. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not even ashamed to say any of the shit I'm saying. This is important, real, true shit. Even creativity is already being replaced by AI. Have you? Do you not believe me? Look how ugly my backdrop is. It's just a blank wall. That is not creative. If I just went to a website and, that, and just Googled AI art and just typed in a phrase like interesting backdrop, it would generate an interesting backdrop, more interesting than anything a human could create for the most part. I mean, this is my taste. I've seen a lot of this AI-generated art. I would actually have it on my wall way before getting an an actual human-made piece of art because, one, it'll cost nothing. They don't ask for royalties. The robot is not like a fucking pretentious diva. They're not going to be like, $800,000 for that. No, only a human would ask for a ridiculous amount of money because it took them a lot of work and creativity. No, fucking robots, they just go, boom, boom. Bada bang, <sharp inhale> and just rip it off. Here you go. It's better than Mozart. I know Mozart wasn't a painter, but that was just the first thing that came out of my mouth. It's better than uh, fucking Da Vinci. And it is. A lot of that shit is really gorgeous art. So maybe I'll just get one of the. I probably will just get one of those for my back wall because this is the new podcast studio. So it's very blank, and it'll only the acoustics are. They need a, that's the next step is to perfect. Let's not use the word perfect. That's not going to happen. To get the acoustics like to a professional level in this size room, you'd have to cover the entire fucking walls with panels and not just, they'd have to be like seven inches thick to absorb the bass. That's just if you want it to be like professional. Cause this is a multi-purpose room. It's not just going to be used for podcasts. It's going to be used for music production, video production. That's it, and just other shit like that. Listening to music back, mixing, anything you name it, anything creative is going to go down in this room. So I got to get the vibe right. So one more thing on the first topic. So I did go to the doctor. I drive up, drove up to a you know one of those little clinics, twenty-four hour clinics. And what I noticed was, because I'm in Texas, motherfucker. I love being in Texas for some reasons, and some reasons I don't. But for the reasons, you know, it's interesting, because it's like being to a museum. Like, I've heard many things about Texas growing up. Like, it had an ethos. It has a theme to it. Like, Texas is a theme park. It's like a Walmart, but the whole state. Even the outdoors are still, you can still just... Drive your cart. You can just leave your cart anywhere. That's Texas. So one of the things that goes along with that is oversized chairs in the examination room. Because, you know, I walked in and the person, the nurse, was like, just sit wherever is comfortable. (laughs) And that's what they tell everybody. But I was like, well, okay, what does that mean? Like, obviously, I wasn't thinking about it until I chose the small chair and i was like oh there's a chair for fat people that's why she says that that's just what you say yeah you know sit wherever's comfortable maybe i identify as a fat person maybe i would have sat in the double wide but i didn't i sat in the normal chair because i didn't want to look like i was there for unreasonable (laughs) terms no i'm a professional patient Anyway, so I just took a picture of it. I was like, everything's bigger in Texas. Good thing I got good thing I'm not overweight, so I'm actually gonna get good quality medical care or treatment, whatever you want to call it, care. Cause if you're fat this is just something I heard. If you're fat, doctors tell you that you're fat. If you, can you believe it? Even in the year twenty twenty three, let's just round up to that doctors still consider obesity a health problem. So a lot of people on uh, Google and Yelp or whatever, ZocDoc, they go and they, they give a bad review <laughs> to pretty much any doctor in Texas. And they, usually the reason, you know, if you see bad reviews for a doctor, it's not the doctor usually. I mean, come on. They're doctors. They know what they're doing. It's <laughs> It's uh it's because the, the doctor told them something they didn't want to hear. They said, "Well, I think it might have to do with the fact that you're clinically obese." So that's where the conversation that's where the treatment like starts. It's like, "Okay, we got to fix this problem." And then Maybe if you get your weight problem in check, then we could see if there's something else going on. But since this is definitely, you know, has a comorbidity with with obesity, I'm gonna at least mention that that's probably the problem. So so that pisses people off. I don't know. It's just very normal to be uh, overweight in the in this country, and people. I guess they're starting to think that just because it's normal in terms of the mode, the average, like on average people are pretty fat, that means it's like healthy? No. You could be pretty, the whole population could be doing something unhealthy. That doesn't make it healthy just because everybody's doing it. Okay, sorry. I think that's enough on that subject. I'm I'm not a fat shamer. I'm just a reality checker. That's what this podcast is about. And we're getting towards the, the singularity. Whether you know it or not, hey, if you're watching this now, you're early because this topic is going to be what pretty much everybody's talking about. And after a certain point, you won't, you won't even have to talk about it anymore because it'll be everything that your thoughts derive from. Forget about the human body that you're in. That's temporary. Take care of it. Don't forget about it. Jeez, that just goes against the whole thing I was just talking about. Jesus Christ. No, be healthy. Stop fucking shoving that shit down. Stop fucking eating. Unless you have binge eating disorder. Then I get it. I used to have that. Then I started taking Adderall. Now I don't longer binge unless I'm off the meds. Stay on your fucking meds. Especially if you're a liberal. If you're a left, forget liberal, if you're a leftist, like far to the left, like who, who like believes kooky shit, like that fatness is healthy or some shit like that, first, first line of treatment, Dr. Weichselbaum has something to give you. Your fucking meds. Please take them. Please go back to taking them. I don't care what they are, as long as they were correctly prescribed by a professional. Mood stabilizers, whatever. Trust me, you're better on them than without them. Your ideas are not correct. I used to be the same way, then I got medicated. Look at me now. I'm in a purple light. I look great. So, insurance, private companies that do it better. We already kind of talked about that a little bit. Private companies, I don't know. Yeah, we kind of already talked about that. So this podcast is now also a new topic. It's also about hustle culture. Ooh, that's annoying. I know. I used to really cringe at people that like talked about how they're fucking hustling, um, but that's what it's about, and that's why I'm gonna be. That's why I'm wearing this shirt. This shirt touches on what we're gonna be talking about. Where we're gonna contrast. We're gonna contrast hustle culture with. Another thing called grind culture. So that's where the video game shirt comes in. People are starting to get confused in their career path. I'm in a very creative career path. Podcasting, stand-up comedy, music, dancing, acting. I could do it all. There's very few things I cannot do. I'm a designer. Hey. Um, I'm a poet. So anyway, so what is it about the creative career that I'm doing that is relevant to grind mentality or hustle culture? Well, you know, it's kind of a trifecta, I guess. You could use all you could. There's those three things right there. Hustle culture, grind culture, and just creativity. Creativity. Creative, creativity, bleh, creativity is not really a culture. There's not really like a culture of creative people. There should be, but there isn't. We're very lonely. We're very isolated. And there's a reason for that. The reason we're so isolated, typically, like at least, you know, at least in the very beginning, is because we have to stick to our own unique vision. We can't be around other artists unless they're also giving us the inspiration that we need to reach our vision, you know? Or at least just inspire us. Like If they're doing the opposite, if they're trying to tear us down, if they're critiquing us and saying, oh, that's bullshit, that's not good art, that's a dumb shirt, shit like that, well, yeah, I'm not going to want to be around them. Like, I know what I'm doing. I have a vision. I know that I have done it done things creative before and it came from the same perspective it came from the same mindset i'm going to do something i'm going to follow my basic intentions i'm going to just going to follow my heart i don't give a fuck if what i'm wearing looks dumb or if it's the wrong color or if it's like pink or girly or whatever if it fits my aesthetic that's what i'm going to do And so you can't be hanging around people that are not also on board. So you got to cut those people out of your life. Don't even talk. Don't even interact with them. If they ask you a question that you know is only because they are doing it as an empty gesture, don't even fucking respond. Give them like a little thumbs up emoji at the very most. Don't, don't be like, oh, yes, thank you for checking in. Yeah, I got all these great projects going on. Don't do that. Because chances are, if they're just reaching out as an empty gesture, like it's your birthday or something, they don't really actually give a fuck. If they gave a fuck about your creative endeavors, they would be following those. They'd be commenting on those. So you got to protect your ego. There is a purpose to having an ego if you're an artist. There's nothing pretentious about calling yourself an artist if you're actually doing art or if you're actually chasing creativity and generating creative output. Then you can call yourself an artist and there's nothing pretentious about that. We need more artists. That's the only thing we have that's valuable still. Robots are doing all the other shit. We don't need farmers. I, I mean, sorry, farmers. I love you, ya. Y'all are cool. But robot, you're basically just pressing a bunch of buttons. No, obviously, that's not true. But for the sake of entertainment, let's just pretend that farmers are pretty useless. Let's not keep correcting myself. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> so anyway, I didn't even finish that subject. So the, anyway... Creativity, it's a very fragile thing. You have to have an ego. You have to protect your ego. You have to build yourself up. I have a playlist that I play before I do this just to pump myself up. It has uh, Shakira on it and a lot of other good shit that pumps me up to try to get me to remind myself of the mission and the vision. Because when I'm not on Adderall, I pretty much go right back to feeling like a retarded person. I just walk around the house just looking for food and like, you know, Ooh, what is that? That's cool. But I don't want to actually do anything. I just go, okay, well, I'm not on Adderall. So I guess all I could do is just watch YouTube and just like, okay. But I tell myself in that stupid voice, I tell myself, even though you're not at your fullest you got to still stick to the plan. So I tell myself, we are got a plan! Okay. So I just tell myself that, and it works. You don't have to always be super high performance to have a productive day. You don't always have to be on your meds. You just have to let yourself... You have to use these mental tricks. You have to tell yourself, I have a plan! Okay, that's enough of that voice, and it worked. Yesterday I was not on the Adderall, but I still had a very productive day. I had to set up a lot of stuff in this room, none of which you could see. You'll see, But that's fine, because this is just the podcast. So hustle culture. I am currently hustling to get towards a creative career in... Uh, the entertainment field. I tell people this. I'm no I'm not shy about it. You know, I don't I don't volunteer that I don't go up to people and go I'm a fucking entertainer. Some you know, unless I'm in character, like if I'm in character for if I'm Timmy Gusto, that is kind of my brand to be to pretend that I'm a not just a celebrity but like an elite like Paris Hilton. That's pretty much who I'm emulating when I'm Timmy Gusto, except way more douchey, like arrogant and like the male version of, of Paris Hilton. And I love it. It's very fun. When, once you have a voice, you know, it's not perfectly, it's not done yet. I'm still developing it. But once you have a voice, it becomes so much easier to write and to just know how to handle yourself in any given situation. Cause you have a framework and that, is part of being an artist it's also part of being a personality but we're just talking about hustle culture right now there's a lot more I could talk about with the Timmy Gusto brand so i am hustling right now i'm calling myself a entertainer i, I don't say i'm a, like a, you know cuz obviously the next question will be oh are you getting paid it's like so i don't you know you don't you got to be very like earnest about the way that you tell people about this, you don't have to. I mean, who gives a fuck? If they're not doing anything for you, it doesn't really matter what they think of you. Who cares if they think you're just some idiot or, you know, some some uh, delusional loser? Who cares? I still tell people that, well, I'm starting a new career. as a entertain- I'm trying to get into the entertainment business. And that obviously brings up a bunch of follow-up questions, but whatever. It's up to me. If I want to go into that. But that's what I'm doing. So I am trying to d- get there as fast and smoothly, as smartly as possible. And that's not what grinding is. So this is where the confusion is. This is where it lies. The confusion lies right at this intersection right here. So people think that because video games, like World of Warcraft or whatever, Reward you for grinding for doing the same action over and over they think that that applies to everything in life to any career task or goal and that's not true that might be true for some things but for is it true for creativity no grinding does not make creative art it doesn't lead to creativity. Maybe having a regiment does. Like I just said, I play a certain Spotify playlist to get myself amped up for this podcast. Does that mean that's grinding? No, that's just vibe. That's a regiment and a routine that helps me be creative, but does it Does it make me... Creative on its own. No, that's not the whole recipe. Creativity is a very delicate thing. It grinding is associated with like, you know, something you do to make powder. That's not what art is. Art is the opposite of powder. It's what was before you ground it up. It's, it's like a beautiful flower. So you have to let it blossom. You have to water it, but not overwater it. You want to put it in the sun, but not too much sunlight. That's the same thing with being an artist. And this is something that I'm going to probably die on this hill because somebody's got to correct this fucking thing cuz it's so not true, man. I'm just talk Let's just talk about stand-up comedy because that's where I see this mindset being applied. Pretty much every comic I come across says, Yeah, I'm, I'm grinding, man. I'm still out there grinding. Meanwhile, they're an open micer, not getting paid a single fucking dollar. <laughs> and they've been doing it for like more than five years, some of them. And I go, So how's it going up in Chicago? And like, no, it's not bad. It's still, I'm just still grinding. Yeah, you now nothing's happening, but I'm still doing, I'm still grinding. It's like, dude, just because you use the word grind doesn't mean you're doing anything. Doesn't mean you're a comedian, my friend. I'm sorry to say that. Uh, but it, it's true. I took three months off from stand up comedy and I am better than I've ever been. It didn't take long to get back into it and to be at the highest level. I needed to figure out what was wrong with me. It wasn't that I just, you know, it was, of course, the ADHD. And now, after taking three months off, I'm, it's like night and day. It doesn't matter how long I took off. It could have been, a, it could have been two days. I need, As soon as I resolved the mental fatigue, I, I have so much creative power right now. It, it feels so palpable that it's almost unwieldy. I exude creativity right now. It's easy to get laid now that I'm fully back to being myself and having swag. I never had the type of swag that I got going on right now. And by swag, I mean the way you move around. Pretty much just that. Just your body language as you're walking down the sidewalk. That's how I look at it. It's better than it's ever been my whole life. And I took three months off. But I'm... So, you know, I, I just know that once I actually do get back into stand-up, like, for real, it's going to be the best wave of my career thus far. I'm also taking it way more seriously. Am I grinding? Fuck no. I'm not grinding. No. That's not how I'm getting to where I'm going, baby. Um, I'm hustling. There's a difference. What's the difference? Well, if I didn't already kind of explain, grinding is doing a repetitive motion, whether that's going to the same open mics every week and just, you know, not really getting anything out of them. That would be an example of grinding. Yeah, I did that, but I've done that. I've done that for tw- many years. Not tw- I was going to say, twenty. no, not 20 years, but I did that for like eight years in chicago not maybe not eight but definitely five where i was doing as many open mics as possible that's what i did i moved to chicago i moved to a part of chicago that was close to a lot of fucking shows and mics and comedy clubs so i did about three mics a day you know as much as i possibly could that was the average I didn 't always do three a day, but I did about ten a week, probably on average, for you know five years, and that is more than enough to to reach your highest potential in terms of getting warmed up to be on stage and all that. You know you got to get funny as fast as possible, so in the beginning, sure, do as many mics as humanly possible. you could grind. In your first year or two of stand-up comedy, but once you start to real, you know, figure out a little bit how to be funny, which happens maybe about in the five to ten-year mark, hopefully before ten years, by year seven or eight, you should at least be funny enough. So once you're funny, you don't really have to grind anymore. Because going on stage as much as possible, yes, you need to do that to get to where you're comfortable and light on your feet and quick-witted. It's like, you know, it is like lifting weights. You do have to kind of do it every day to be at your best. But if you're 10 years in and you're not actually trying to get shows or make money... Then no, you don't have to fucking do it every day. You don't have to do it at all. You really don't have to do it if you're not trying to get on shows, which I'm currently not trying to do. Oh, except for I don't know, Kill Tone. Oh, forget about that. Never mind. I forgot. Oh, that that little one, that tiny little show that I kind of forgot about that I've been trying very hard to get on. So in that sense, I'm hustling i'm not grinding like how do you grind for kill tony it's random it's by chance it takes luck so grind mentality for sure doesn't apply to kill tony no matter how long you've been doing it but hustle yes that does apply to kill tony and i already talked about that on the last episode I'm pulling out all the stops. I've I've perfected my process to get warmed up for Kill Tony. It takes the right chemicals and the right mentality, and I got to practice. I got to do at least a couple shows or open mics before Monday when it's filmed just so I'm comfortable being on stage and knowing how to say the jokes I'm going to say. Does that mean I have to do mics every day leading up to it? No, I'm not at that point where I still have to do that. It only takes me a couple of mics, like, you know, four minutes of stage time to get warmed up for Kill Tony. In that sense, there's then there's other things I gotta do. I gotta practice my minute over and over again, and I gotta practice everything else. Like I like I talked about in the last. Just watch the last episode if you want to get. That information on how I prepare, except one extra thing that I didn't talk about. I have to take magical mushrooms every time I do kill Tony. And this is critically important, this is essential. Because when I don't, I'm too high strung. You know, I'm going to be too antsy, I'm going to be too angry at other comics that obviously shouldn't be there. That's normal. It's reasonable to be a little bit perturbed when you see people that are just by just by the look at them are not comedians. And of course you're gonna be a little bit like okay, great, I'm gonna have to watch that guy bomb <laughs> and not get up, even though I'm better you know, so obviously you get it. That's a, if you're ten years in and you've already done it and done well. You're gonna feel a little more privileged, or at least, what's the word? You're gonna feel a little more entitled to getting up again. Like if you've gotten um, good, you know, approval from the people running the thing. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna feel like, okay, I think I deserve this more than somebody who's been doing it for six months and completely is gonna bomb and they do of all that like, it's very easy to tell if someone's going to bomb or not just by how, what they talk about in line so anyway enough about that so you have to take you have to absolutely i have to take a small dose of magical mushrooms and then that puts me in a good mood and it makes me enjoy the show even if i don't get up it's still a fun experience because i'm presenting to other comics how a real comic fucking does. I'm sh- I'm sh- I'm showing these motherfuckers how you're supposed to operate in this field. I'm becoming a veteran of the open mic art, so I have a lot to teach other people. Way more than I could learn from any from other people. On average, I'm gonna be able to tell them what is up. So that's how I'm hustling. I'm hustling by focusing on what is the most profitable. And that would be one of the things. This is one of the things that could be profitable. If I post a clip out of this and it goes viral, that is obviously a profitable endeavor. So I don't have to leave the house to be a hustler. I need a good reason to leave the house. And that brings me to one of the Corrections and updates from the previous episode. So, on the previous episode, I was going on a fucking tear about how I'm too good to do amateur shows. And by amateur shows, I mean ones produced by amateur comedians, people that do not pay their bills from doing comedy. Like, sure, they make a little money from the show, maybe. They might post a little bit of a profit and pay the comics like 20 bucks. That's still amateur level. Obviously 20 bucks is not enough to live off. So that's amateur. Nothing wrong with an amateur show though on its own, just because I don't want to do it. I, I would still do amateur shows as a professional because even if you're only getting paid 20 bucks, you could profit off it if you, oh, I don't know, film the fucking set so i apologize for my quick arrogance my fucking i was like yeah i'm not gonna do a fuck i'm not gonna drive to fucking houston just for 20 bucks it's like yeah but if you film it that could lead to a reel of some random funny piece of crowd work or something it doesn't have to be a bit it could just be crowd work like seven seconds long and that could get a you know a million views and, oh, all of a sudden, it was worth it. It was worth driving there. So I think it's about time I started looking into hiring a photographer and videographer and audio recorder for my sets that are at shows. Not at open mics. That would be pointless and a waste of time and memory. This would be at places that actually get a audience, and I would have them... You know, film it in a way that's professional. Like they would use a telephoto lens, zoom in right on my face, zoom out if it's necessary. You know, it would have like a DIY look, but also it'd be very well professional. It'd be very high quality too because I have pretty good gear. So I would just need somebody who knows how to use it. For me, that would be very easy because I know how to use my gear. I have an audio recorder too, portable audio recorder. So I would know how to use it. It's pretty easy. You just press the autofocus button and make sure that it's on my face and just keep it there. That's it. It's dead simple, but that doesn't mean anybody could do it. A lot of people who think they're good at film and photography are actually just Overeducated, they they were taught how to do it a certain way and then this new technology comes out and all of a sudden they have no idea what they're doing because they're used to like using like manual focus cameras like yeah we don't need that anymore we got artificial intelligence this camera is so powerful that you have to use autofocus if i just manually focus it there's no way it would stay in focus It would be focused on just my nose. And if I move back, it's out of focus. So it's important that I get somebody who's not a pretentious film school dropout. So that's why it might take a while. I'll put out an ad. It'll say, no goys, because I'm a Jewish supremacist. That's the only thing you're allowed to be a supremacist. And other and every other race besides white people. <laughs> anyway, so that's how I'm hustling. I'm, all, I'm if I do kill Tony, that's obviously, you know, you better do. I better do well. I can't just go in there as a fucking arrogant fucking pseudo comedian. I have to actually be funny. I can't just ride on my stage presence. So let's talk about stage presence for a little bit. I got my stage presence back. I'm I'm, I'm not, you know, I got it back. I'm at my fullest stage presence. Maybe not right now. I'm a little bit low testosterone right now, but when I'm high, T, I do this mic on Sundays. It's called, it's a heckle mic and I fucking love it. And somebody was heckling me with like really hack jokes so I just was I just couldn't take it anymore. And I was like, fuck you, you fucking bombed. I killed Tony you fucking cocksucker. <laughs> and it came out so fucking real. I listened back to the recording, I was like, holy fuck. I've never sounded that like genuinely angry and pissed off. And it wasn't. I wasn't re I wasn't actually pissed off. That's just my character that I do on I just do that. It's funny. To say, you know, mean shit in a really mean voice. So that's what I did, and it killed. It got the best reaction that you could ask for at a, at a fucking heckle mic. It go, Whoa! Like, it got that reaction, and I, it was great. But I had no mean, it wasn't real. I went up there with, like, this attitude of, like, I fucking. I'm fucking better than all these motherfuckers, but I wasn't actually angry at this particular comedian. I don't have any problem with him. But listening back to that recording, I was like, "Holy fuck!" Because I didn't even really remember doing it. That you know, the, I, I was in a good mood. Like I was, I was having a good set. I wasn't pissed off at all. So I'm a pretty good actor, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and that's part of stage presence. Part of stage presence is—you gotta fucking act like you belong on stage. You gotta go up there. Hey, are you looking at me? Are you looking at that? i don't have a fucking talent. Look at me, bitch. Right, enough, Andrew Dice Clay, but that's what I do. I, I don't know. So I went up on the same fucking heckle mic that I'm talking about. And I went up there and I, and I just didn't even have to say anything because my stage presence was so fucking, you know, I was just, I was confident, but not like overbearing. I wasn't like, you know, macho. I was just comfortable and patient. I didn't go up there and immediately start yelling into the fucking mic. I went up there and gracefully <laughs> removed the mic you know, because it was quiet. The crowd didn't really give a fuck about Timmy Gusto. I'm new. Timmy Gusto is not famous yet. So he doesn't have a lot of clout, except for a few people that happen to like me. Uh, so it was quiet by the time I got to the mic. So I used that to my advantage. And I just was like, I just stared at the crowd like, okay. You know, popped the mic out very gracefully didn't talk into it. Just held it there in case I was, you know, needed it for something. But I didn't need it for anything. I just was trying to figure out if I even was going to fucking talk into it. And that eventually turned into a big laugh. Like, it almost, it went from silent to big laugh. And then I milked it. i like, okay, now they're laughing. So, like, I don't, I can't, I don't have to talk. So, I moved the mic down, like, four inches just by, just that that one little movement got another... It compounded the laugh. So that's called being a microphone controller. You gotta know your way around a microphone, and that's kind of what that was. It's very graceful, and it shows that you're not a fucking pussy. So that's what's, That's my idea of what the essence of having good stage presence is. It's... it's um. Not being afraid of being on stage. Because most people are. Most people, it takes them years and years to not show that they're afraid to be on stage. And they could show it in their voice. When they go, Hi, hi. Like, if you do anything, I can't do it because I, I, I'm not on stage, right? Now. I can't fake it. You're either confident or you're not. And the audience will know. So, you know, it's better to just have good stage presence and bad jokes than to have good jokes and bad stage presence you could have really good jokes but if you're just you know one dimensional and you're just fading into the background no one's gonna give a fuck I could get people here's another compliment to myself I'm just gonna change the name of this to the Tim Weixlebaum is awesome show another thing that i can do that you know stage presence you could get people to listen to any single word that you want them to listen to if you have good stage if you know how to command the room they will listen to every single one of your jokes even if they hate them even if they suck even if they're shitty jokes they'll still at least listen to them. They'll walk out, but that's still an accomplishment. Getting a dislike still counts as an interaction. <laughs> so like if somebody walks out to show that they were listening and didn't like it, it's like okay, at least I got an engagement that helps the algorithm. <laughs> so anyway, that's enough about stage presence and I guess that's enough about hustle culture. Fuck the grind. Start hustling if you want to be a creative person. Because, you know, if you're going around telling people that you're trying to become an entertainer, you better be not delusional and you better be trying your goddamn best. I'm, do, I'm, t- I'm both of those things. I'm not delusional. I'm actually talented. And I'm starting to try my fucking best. So the stars are starting to align. It's very rare that there's a comedian that's both talented and has the mentality to make it a fucking thing there's maybe yeah one comedian in particular that i'm thinking of in chicago who is the most talented person in the city and he puts he does make stuff he he puts out some funny videos and makes very funny songs so he's very like creatively active but he he's missing the uh the business side of it he's not a professional unfortunately anyway so it's a very rare thing to, to do what i'm doing right now and i could only go up from here i have a lot of things on my side I have, I have no girlfriend to fuck things up i have no pets to come in here and you know nothing could fuck this up and except for me not wanting to do it anymore which why would i why would i Not want to do this anymore. This is fun. Being creative is extremely fun if you're doing it to the fullest extent of your abilities. And this is just one of the things I'm doing. I have many little side projects planned. I got to make a theme song. I got to add more segments. I got to do editing, post production, color grading. Anyway, so there's a lot that goes into becoming a creative person. And it's better to You know, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. So that's where hustling kind of part of hustle culture. One last thing is to work smart. Grinding means working hard. I think that sums it up pretty crystal clear. You want to work, yes, but not just hard. You want to work smart. Smart. That's what Kill Tony is. That's what this is. That's what filming your shows is. Even if I just filmed, I wish I fucking filmed that Heckle set. That was just like a four-minute set in an open mic, but it killed. It had some really good moments that the laughs were loud enough where it didn't matter that it was an open mic. It was on a professional stage. So if I just fucking filmed that, I would have gotten at least two or three solid reels that would have gone on timmy gusto's instagram so it's like duh come on man what are you doing so if you're watching this you're early in on something beautiful a beautiful career is starting right here in my one of my bedrooms um my hobby bedroom which is now this is an office this is not a hobby okay we already talked it's enough it's enough I think that's enough on those topics. So I, okay, maybe not. It's always, it's, see the thing about this podcast is I could be talking about one topic and then realize that it actually kind of feeds into all the other topics. I think that's just one, it's just part of being a creative person. You you look at things from so many different angles that you could connect the dots and on pretty much any subject under the sun. you could be like, oh, you like this? Yeah, well, I like this. Totally different, but not really. That's what being creative is. So since this is a self-improvement podcast, I am starting to improve. I'm actually taking the advice that I'm giving myself on this podcast. And that's why I'm starting to feel better, you know, look better a little bit, like I'm starting to care about my look. I I care about my body weight, my health, my diet. So I'm actually improving as a person. My personality is improving despite what you might see on Twitter or anywhere, you know, real life. Like I do have a very pompous <laughs> personality. But that's because I happen to be correct. I actually am pretty goddamn you know <laughs> So since I'm improving, it's hard to not act like you're better than other people. Cause it's like well I fucking figured it. Out. I'm doing the work. What's this what's your excuse? So it's you gotta it's that's one of the negatives. If there is any negatives of self improvement, that would be one of them is that you're going to not want to hang around with the same people. So you're going to only want to be around people that are also doing things that are of import, of value. So I do feel like I am more entitled to certain things. Only because I'm showing that I'm actually worth Being treated as... I don't know. This is the hard... This this is tough. I don't know. Because it has to do with Kill Tony. I already talked about Kill Tony. But like... Like I'm starting to get entitled. Like I showed up last week... You know... Super prepared. I made a whole event... Out of... Just driving there. I was like listening to music had the windows down, I was like excited to make my way to the club. You know, I was in a very good mood. And part of my confidence bled over to a little bit of entitlement, which I'm fully aware of, and is not a good look. But I'm just talking about it because I don't, you know, I guess I'm just trying to figure out if that's if there's anything to be learned from it for other people and just for myself to talk about. I don't know. I don't mind talking about faults, things I did wrong. I think it was a little bit wrong to try to skip the entire line. So I sh- I just walked right up to the dude who signs you up. I just walked right I skipped the entire line because it's like, it. who cares? It's, it's random. It's There's no order. So it's like, can I just get this over with? Like, who cares? I've done this before. Yeah, obviously that's pretty douchey of a thing to do. My reasoning for it, and they, did, they didn't let me. They're like, "Yeah, go back to the line." <laughs> so I had to wait until the very end, which is fine. Obviously, I, I, the reason I thought I could get away with it is because I've people do that. People have cut in line before. Nobody calls you out. Has called me out on it for doing it before. So it's like I don't fucking. Of course I'm just of course I'm gonna skip the line what am'm gonna fucking go behind these losers who've been doing it for fucking six months to to zero month um so the yeah like if you're thinking that you're better than everybody in line you're gonna skip the line I don't know obviously I can't justify that it's it's not there's no way to justify it um because even if I am better than them it's still a douchey thing to do Another thing I did, another thing I did is, uh, they ran out of phone bags, like those yonder bags, which they make the comics use for some reason. I don't know. I guess some comics might film the, like record the show. Who cares? It goes out anyway. Like, I guess there's a reason. That's fine. It's not a big deal to have to lock up your phone. But they ran out of yonder bags. So I was like, hey, yonder. He named himself after the fucking bags. There's no way he's gonna let me not use one. I was like, "Hey, brother, I'm a professional. I'm not gonna film the show. Does it really? Is this really necessary?" He was like, "Yeah, man, yeah." I was Like, okay, that's fine. That's it. That was the end of the conversation. I wasn't gonna fucking try to wear him down and be like, "Well, I've done secret show and um." Yeah, fuck that. I just was asking one question. He said no. That's fine. So I waited outside for most of the show, which actually was was better than being inside, because then you're not as nervous. If you're up, they they tell you, hey, you're up. So you just go in. You fucking murder. It looks cool because you came from outside, so it's just like, well, where the fuck, did he come from? And then you go up there, you fucking murder, and. That's what would have happened if I had gotten up. I would have probably done better than most people. Yeah, I don't know if I would have destroyed. Some of my jokes are so fucking edgelord. But that doesn't matter. The the real-life audience is not the real audience. You want them to laugh at least a little bit, but the Internet is the real audience. The Internet would have got my jokes. They were at least some segment of the internet would have been like oh yes fuck yeah i love uh, th- that's my cup of tea so that's why i don't know i just i was very like self assured that if i had gotten my name called it would have been a good good time and a memorable experience so anyway it doesn't matter who cares if i never get up um i'm still going to be doing other things to prove that I am worthy. So that's enough about Kill Tony. Okay, one more thing about Kill Tony. So this dude was in line behind me, and uh, you know somebody that I've never seen before, very new to Austin, I don't know. He said he's been doing comedy for four years. So that's what made it very painful for him, probably, when he absolutely completely bombed like, instantaneously, it was a bomb. The whole thing about it, everything he did was bad. Not funny, but so unfunny that it was kind of funny. Like, I was laughing. I love watching people bomb. I mean, I bombed on there. My first set was pretty bad. I pretty much bombed because um, I was nervous and, like, of course. So, who cares? Like, I don't know. It's it's not that... okay. I didn't bomb as bad as this guy bombed. And then after the show, he I was like how do you feel? It's like bad. I was like, "Yep. I get I get it." And then he I was like, "You know, just cuz you're bombed, you didn't you still added value to the show." And also I I told him that whatever, it's enough. Who cares? I have other things to talk about besides other podcasts. Okay, I'll see if I have any other topics that are not pretty much the same thing. Like I'm perfect for show business. I already, I never knew it. I like all the things about it. I like that you have to disavow things sometimes. It's all a balancing act. Those that do it best have the most power. Yes, that's all. That's all true. I am pretty much. I have the uh, the genetics and the talent, whatever you want to call it to pretty much know everything there is to know about show business. It's not, you know, like what I consider very obvious is not obvious to a lot of people, even just in like conversation, like communicative skills, communication, like some things to me come natural that other people never figure out. And I like that show business is so fragile that you could go up really high and then, go down right back to obscurity just as fast. I like that. I like that it's impossible to to trap fire in a bottle unless you're the Beatles. Like I just like that you could instantly lose all your success just by tweeting something about how somebody looks like something. I love that. I am in it for all of that, the good and the bad. I like that there's a lot of, you know, clout chasing and people giving you the cold shoulder and not making eye contact because they don't like you and they think, you know, you're a douchebag. I like all of that. I like that people don't like me or my image or anything. I like that people judge me, whether it's the right or wrong way. Who gives a fuck? It's part of being an artist. I like that there's such a thing as entourages. I'm going to have one. I already talked about how I have to find the right person to be my photographer. This would not just be on stage. This would be anywhere that I appear, even on the street. I was doing power poses uh, before Kill Tony, just in front of the line of audience um, on the street um, in a parking space right next to a scooter. So I had room to just fucking power pose. And I took selfies of myself in front of the line because, Hey, that's what people do. That's what influencers do. That's what people do in LA. They take selfies. They document their fucking Life. In this case, it wasn't just my life. It was my, this is part of my career. I was, this is my job to go out in power pose in front of a moped <laughs> on Sixth Street. And it's just kind of, it's becoming a thing. It's my lifestyle. And I do consider it when I'm doing that, that's, I'm on the clock. So if somebody tries to say something to me that isn't conducive to my creative, You know, and if it's not helping me out, if like, if they just start talking about their personal life, it's like, get out of my fucking face, dog. It's like, I'm here to talk about comedy, if anything, if somebody comes up to me, is like, oh man, I'm having all these problems. Like, well then go fix them. I already fixed my problem. That's why I'm here power posing and showing people that I'm a fucking real comedian because i actually already worked out all those insecurities now i'm secure now i'm influencing other people how to act mostly incels so anyway it was a fucking blast and i can't wait to do it again there's nothing more fun than being creatively confident knowing that it's actually good. You're not actually just you're like other people actually do think what I do is cool, and even that is, sounds kind of crazy. Like really, you, you you think you're cool? It's like no, I know that I'm cool when I feel a certain way. I could feel the vibe exuding from my pores, even when I'm just in my car. I, t- I, I catch people looking at me, and they see the fucking hand on the wheel, they see the sunglasses, and they see the aloofness, and I'm just aloofing over the... yeah, you know? I'm the most aloof motherfucker. So Austin is becoming my bitch. I am going to take over this fucking clown city. It's going to become a place where people actually produce... Art again. It's not just gonna be a bunch of cucks. I think we I think we're getting close to wrapping this up. How long have I been gone? I have no godly Oh shit, it's definitely been over an hour. Okay baby, I actually kinda like how it looks when it's this close. I'm just gonna move up a tiny bit there. Okay baby, let's just do one more tap, okay? eh? Hey, yo! So, okay, one more other business idea. Another business idea that also emanates from the whole self douchebaggery of being thinking I'm like some kind of genius is um, I'm going to start selling comedy consulting, (laughs) Uh, whatever you want to call it, Uh, meetings or whatever you want to call it, just like Zoom calls i'm going to charge people 50 bucks an hour starting rate that'll be like the starting rate maybe less i don't know you know maybe a little less just for just to get off the ground um because i i think i know how to do i think i could help out other comics with this information that i'm preaching that i'm giving out for free on this podcast but nobody's gonna fucking watch this whole fucking thing so i could just give the real essence of what i'm saying in a very personalized way because i actually know how to do that i'm pretty goddamn good at reading people's you know emotions and what their problem is i'm very good at that so i'm gonna do that i'm gonna start charging open micers 30 bucks an hour let's say to tell them what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong and to encourage them, not to discourage them, unless they want me to tell them something that's brutally honest. I don't know. Because some people are not ever going to figure it out. Not everybody's a comic. I hate to say it. Comics are a very specific type of person. And it doesn't matter what your political beliefs are beliefs are you could be the most racist <laughs> you could be like a fucking neo-nazi with like a swastika tattoo and still be a fucking funny comedian there's still somebody that will laugh at that i would laugh at anybody even a lefty like a fucking uh antifa um i'm sure they could be funny too why not you could have extreme politics Not that I have extreme politics, I'm pretty moderate, but my, compared to liberals or, you know, the common democratic agenda right now is very anti moderate. It's anti critical thinking. So if you say anything, most of my jokes alienate most people in Austin, but that's not stopping me from thinking that I'm a really good comic because. I think it's funny. And if you get that I'm doing what I'm doing, like I'm doing, you know, whatever you want to call it, I'm not even going to put a a label on it. Let's just call it racist comedy. Let's just say I'm doing racist, bigoted comedy. I think I'm doing it pretty fucking well. So I don't really give a fuck if, you know, I walk a room as long as I deliver it in the way i want to do it because i know that the world is big enough that i don't have to sculpt my act to conform to some fucking blob of losers the average fucking audience member of austin texas i fucking murder up in round rock i fucking destroy in round rock cocksuckers I fucking get my dick sucked in Round Rock. All right, enough trying to make clips. <laughs> so I'm going to do a comedy consultation service. Okay, I think that's a good place to end. I'm becoming one of those guys. Never mind. Okay, I'll end on uh, two topics really quick. Howard Stern. I'm a he huge influence on me. He set the standard. For what good radio is? For what great radio is? And it's never gotten better since he's done it. Opie and Anthony, is also top tier radio, but they came a little bit after. So he set the standard. He set the template. What is he doing now? Well, he's not doing much now. He's still doing his program, but it's you know it's a very pussified, bland, terrible. You know, it's nothing. It's a nothing burger. Nobody watches it. Um, he still gets paid hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever, and that's the whole point. He's a Jew that's getting old enough where he doesn't give a fuck about gaining clout anymore. He already has the fu- he already has clout, so now he's just trying to conserve the clout. He wants to stay at the level that he's at. That's perfectly fine and normal. I'm going to be the same way. In 40 years, hopefully not even that long from now, hopefully in like 20 years, I'll already be as boring and bland as Stern because I'll have been successful enough where I don't have to take risks anymore. So that's it. That's why he's no longer having people ride the Sibian. Okay? It's not fucking rocket science, and he's not a sellout. For doing that. He's smart for doing that. he's That's what you're supposed to do if you want intergenerational wealth. You want to stay as far back from the common man as possible. Right now, I'm trying to gain clout. That's why I'm talking shit about all these famous people gave like Amy Schumer. Who else did I throw into the bus on the last episode? Um, that, who's that douchebag? Andrew Tate. I tried throwing him under the bus, but I didn't post any clips about it because who gives a fuck? He's cool. I actually like him. I started using phrases that he uses as much as I thought I didn't like him. All of a sudden, now I'm using phrases that he used like my friend. (laughs) So I don't hate anybody that I'm talking shit about. It's just to gain clout. Get it through your head. I, I, I... It's just business. Don't take it personal. One more quick tip on comedy. Don't take drugs from strangers, especially in fucking Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is a place where you pretty much just go to to be a fucking drug (laughs) addict. To be a loser, pretty much. So don't take drugs from strangers. Weed pens, especially cause they could have DMT in it. This is very normal. This is very common for you to just puff what you think is a weed pen and all of a sudden you're in candy land. That's something I'm going to be doing. The only people that I'm taking weed from are people in my close inner circle. My photographer, hey, he's better. He'll have good weed. Okay, I think that's a good place to end. If you haven't noticed, I'm cultivating a brand. So it's it's great. Actually, you do... I don't know. Like, a lot of people think it's, like, really pretentious or really, like, bizarre to cultivate a brand as a comedian. Yeah, most of those people that say that are not professional comedians. I hate to break it to you. Um, Kevin Hart... He's a good example of who I'm trying to emulate. Nobody wants, everybody wants to be famous. Nobody wants to do the work. I'm doing the fucking work. <laughs> and part of that means you have to have a brand. Um, you don't have to, but it'll fucking help because, of the, because people will absorb that brand and they'll recognize it and they'll get excited when they see it. Um, people wouldn't do it if it didn't work. You think corporations would give a fuck about their logo if it didn't work? No. Yeah, branding works. I just figured that out. I just discovered that in my head a couple days ago. And now I'm telling y'all. Welcome to Branding 101 with Tim MK8 Tim Gusto. Okay, that's enough of this episode. It's been a fun episode. Pretty much covered all the big old topics. And if I didn't, I'll cover... One more thing before I go. It's not really a thing. It's more of a person. It's the great, late Amy Winehouse. I recently became a devout follower and fan of the legendary Amy Winehouse. When she died, I don't know. I wasn't really a fan even you know, when she was alive. I knew I, I knew about her. She had some good songs. I only knew one of her songs, Rehab. I was like, okay, that's a catchy tune. Now I appreciate everything that she has done. I get it. I fully understand why she was considered one of the best, you know, why she was welcomed into the 27 club in a non- like, she actually belongs there. Not, I'm not saying she is good that she's dead. I'm saying she's good enough to be in that group. And I didn't understand it until now, but she's actually, she actually was that fucking talented. She had an extremely great-sounding voice. She could sing live impeccably. She had great stage presence. She knew how to fucking dance. Her image was fucking amazing. She looked like, you know, very retro, um, classy, highbrow. She was obviously a smart... She knew what the fuck she was doing. This has been episode 52 of the Tim Facts Bomb Show. Have a good one, y'all. See you next week.